Are you struggling with fear, depression, or anxiety? Are you in search of meaning and purpose? Would you like help navigating your current life circumstances? Tarot can help. Tarot is a powerful tool for healing, introspection, and spiritual awakening. The Esoteric Toolkit is a synthesis of ancient wisdom and modern science. It consists of tarot, numerology, astrology, and the hermetic principles in conjunction with the modern science of consciousness. The revelation and application of this knowledge gives you the tools you need to help master your life, organize your mind, and overcome depression, fear, and anxiety. Learn to manifest your dreams and come into alignment with your highest self and the universe. Book your private one-on-one -on -one tarot reading today. Click the link in the description or go to www.theorderofchaosmagic.com. You can also find monthly tarot packages, a private Discord community featuring shadow work, and Mercury retrograde support groups, and much more by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash theorderofchaos. Welcome back to the Order of Chaos podcast. Is the God of the Bible actually the devil? And can we become hyperhuman? Those are the questions we're asking today as we expose the demiurge with my guest, Hyperhumanity. Real quick, before we get started, if you'd like to see the unedited and uncensored version of this and all future podcasts, head on over to patreon.com slash the order of chaos. Become a patron. It's just $3 a month and you get access to uh, behind the scenes, the bloopers, and all the stuff we can't say on YouTube. You also get the podcast at least a day before it goes up for the general public. You also get access to our private Discord server, live stream events, blogs, and a lot more. As always, if you'd like to book a private tarot reading with me, you can do so at www.theorderofchaosmagic.com. All the links will be in the description. Stay tuned. We've got a great show coming up for you today here on the Order of Chaos podcast. What's up, man? How's it going? I'm doing great. Hey, I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm, I'm yeah. excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. Um, you, So you've put together a series of TikToks, uh, and I think TikTok is your primary outlet, right? It is, yeah. So you've put together this incredibly well-researched set of TikToks uh, exposing something that I've been really passionate about talking about my whole life, but I never really put the pieces together the way you have. It's really cool. So let's get right into it. Um, right off the bat, how did you get started researching this information what, what got you interested in it yeah that's an excellent question so my journey was actually pretty long you know i grew up in somewhat of a christian family not a strict christian family went to church maybe a few times that's about it um when i graduated high school i went to college and started my freshman year studying religion Spe uh, specifically christianity found out very quickly there wasn't any truth in there i was just being fed kind of mythologies so from there i branched out into philosophy and i ended up getting my degree in philosophy with a concentration on critical thinking but it was you know philosophy which comes from you know philosophia the lover of wisdom which is based on sophia the goddess of wisdom um is the is a person who is searching for truth you don't care necessarily where truth will take you but you're kind of following the breadcrumbs of truth 
truth content versus a religion. You just got to believe and have faith. So yeah, my journey to everything I found out just is just a, you know, one big life journey of me trying to find the truth. And that's kind of what led me down the rabbit hole. I went down. Dude, I can, I can so relate to that. Um, and, and my, like I said, my search for truth myself has led me to a very similar place and very similar uh, sort of revelations about this entity that we've all been raised and conditioned to, to know as God, even if you're not Christian, even if you're not religious at all, the whole world almost, except for people who are devoutly religious um, in another practice, have this image of God, this Abrahamic image of this old dude with a beard in the sky, but, and, and it's almost synonymous with good, which is whack, if you actually read the Bible, because this motherfucker is no good. Um, it was one of the first things I realized when I was a kid and I started reading the Bible is that you can't get through the old Testament. And at the end of that, think this guy's the good guy in the story. There's just no way. Right. So, I mean, tell me, how did you, when did you start to have these realizations and, and, you know, how did you end up going deeper? Yeah. So I actually found, you know, uh, the Gnostic way of thinking after I was more into getting my philosophy degree and I wasn't heavily brainwashed with religion growing up. So I, when I really started diving deep into this stuff, I had no indoctrination or deconstruction. I got lucky. I had no religious trauma. A lot of people, they can't even see it or they don't want to deal with it, right? They're an atheist and they don't even want to deal with it because all of the trauma. So for me, you go through the old Testament and you have the actual, I mean, if it's real or not, the claim is these are the actual actions of the God of the Bible. He kills 2.8 million innocent people. In second Kings, he sends bears to shred children to pieces. Like you put a piece of paper in a shredding machine. I mean, and this is supposed to be uh, the guy of moral perfection. You know, it starts out with Abraham. Here's a voice in his head. And that voice says, murder your son. Now you would think right there, that would be an impossible statement that could ever come out of a God's mouth, at least a good God's mouth. Right. So, and then we go to the new Testament and then what, what the new Testament did is it was all based on Platonic philosophy and all the new Testament Bible writers did was they took the Platonic form of good and they personal, they, they personified it as God. So what we have here is we've God, the old Testament mass murdering, killing everybody broke every moral code in existence, clearly the most evil being in existence. He's probably being hunted by the cosmic police, right? If he's real for war crimes. And then the new Testament, they take this God and they almost dress him up in a Halloween costume and call him cute and beautiful and loving. And there's all this love language. And it's almost like, well, there's the God, there is no God of the new Testament. There really is no God in the New Testament. It's just a bunch of ramblings and assertions that God is good. But the God of the New Testament is the God in the Old Testament, right? That's the actual story of Yahweh, or in this case, the Demiurge. And so based on the data, the evidence, clearly this God is, you know, either evil or insane, right? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, that if we were going by today's... Um kind of psychological lingo we would call this this person a psychopath and a narcissist uh, and an abuser um, these are all the the qualities that this entity portrays i mean like you said he commands the violent killing of, of millions of people in the old testament um he commands abraham to kill his son and, and mutilate the other one um i mean it just it just goes on and on the tower of babel that's a really interesting uh little tiktok that you did because it's true the humanity in that story came together, found peace, created a universal language, and we're ascending basically to the heavens. And God said, yep. fuck no, we're not having any of that. Go fuck it up. 
Yeah, and it, it it really gets the heart of the difference between the Gnostics and the Christians. The Christians were people of faith, and God was external from them. And so the Christian or, or the Demiurge or the Abrahamic God, the Christian God, needs to be worshipped to be almost real or to be recognized. The Gnostics taught that we all had a divine spark within us, and God was within all humans. There is one Bible verse that says God is within you, but Christians don't understand what that means. If God is within you, then who are you praying to? Who are you bowing to? If God is in you and he's sending you to hell, then, well, he's sending himself to hell. So the Gnostics saw this as, you know, there's nothing outside of us. It's all, it's all a personified projection of human conception and human thinking that is being worshipped outside of us. And really, humans are the powerful ones. Humans are the ones that have divinity within us. And so the Tower of Babel was about the whole human race coming together as one, working together, a single language, world peace, whatever you, you know, whatever that may be look like. And the God of the Bible did not like this. He did not approve of this. He's not an ally. He's Satan, which is the Satan translates into the adversary. And so the, the Demiurge is the adversary of the human race that in a very, you know, Jungian archetype way, maybe needs to be overcome for the human race to reach enlightenment. We need to overcome the Abrahamic religions. They are the shadow of the human race. And for us to really transcend as a species, it's vital that we overcome these evil religions and we can rise to the intelligence that these are not real religions. These are false. And if this, if this God is real, he's 100% evil. Absolutely. And it, you know, you may be listening to this and saying, well, I'm not Christian. So this doesn't affect me, but yes, it does because this has affected the entire world. So it's affected how we are, our societies have evolved. It's affected our, the collective consciousness I mean, it's affected literally everything about society today. And so even if you're not a Christian, even if none of this really speaks to you, it's important to understand that the, the world we live in has been shaped by worship of an entity who by our very own standards, and even by the standards of the Bible, as you point out, is an evil character uh, and, and has nothing. I mean, I don't see any evidence that this entity has loves us or has any affinity for humans whatsoever. He wanted to wipe us out with the flood. And in the original, uh, I don't know if this is the first flood myth, but in the Babylonian flood myth, one of the oldest, Sumerian Babylonian, it was never Enlil. And by the way, so for those of you who want to catch up listening, Yahweh, Jehovah, the Demiurge, Enlil, we're all, we're talking about the same character, Zeus. We're talking about the same character here, right? The, the, the war god of the air who exists in every pantheon somewhere. This God is the one who wanted to wipe us out with the flood. Now, again, in the original Sumerian, Enlil said, fuck it, fuck humanity, send the flood. And it was Enki, his half-brother, who eventually turned into Lucifer and then Satan in the Bible, was the one who sent to Atrahasis the instructions on how to build the ark and escape the, the, the flood. It was never God, God, quote unquote. It wasn't Enlil, it was Enki the one who would later become Lucifer that was actually humanity's savior in that story. And again, with the Garden of Eden story, it was Lucifer, it was the serpent yep. who wanted to give man knowledge. And we act like that's this horrible thing. It's so interesting because for thousands of years, we've acted like that's the worst thing you could do is give man knowledge. That's why he's the fucking devil. How did we ever even develop this attitude? It's so strange. It, it developed... 
I mean, it developed through the Abrahamic religions is really, it became a virus. It became a hatred of the divine feminine. It started with Hypatia being massacred and, you know, the classical antiquity, which ended Greek mathematicians and philosophers. I mean, there's a very pivotal point during the classical antiquity where the mathematicians and philosophers were on the rise. And so was the divine feminine, you know, embodied in Hypatia and Christianity, misogyny, you know, misogynistic Christian leaders murdered her, dragged her out in the street, peeled her skin off, you know, disembodied her and burned the remains. And all of this can be traced back to the Abrahamic, you know, religions. And it's, it's, it's a huge problem that's preventing our world. In the Bible, in the story of Adam and Eve, we're taught that eating knowledge is bad. In fact, the original sin for, you know, the Abrahamic religions is knowledge itself, right? Eating knowledge mm -hmm. is original sin. And the God of the Bible performed the first inquisition in the Garden of Eden when he persecuted the serpent, which is an ancient symbol of divine wisdom in ancient Egypt and a symbol of protection and predates the bible but anyways you know the god of the bible persecutes knowledge he persecutes freedom he doesn't want the human race to be liberated and free and you know operating on our own he doesn't want the children to grow up and it's it's stopping evolution on every level it is and it's it's clearly designed to keep humanity in the box of the garden of eden now and again with the garden of eden this is interesting as well, because there are, once again, older Sumerian translations of the word Eden that uh, depict it as a prison, not a paradise. Yeah. That it was a prison and the gods of the, what you could theoretically call the Anunnaki, uh, these gods that were there, were not treating humans well. They were just slaves. Yeah. And that's what the, the original Sumerian uh, mythology says in the first place, is that the gods treated human, created humans to be slaves. Uh, I believe, in fact... It was Enki who created man. That's important also, that it was Enki who created man when told to by Enlil. But Enki went against Enlil and gave us the ability to learn. And that was why he became the devil. So, I mean, if you, if you really look into this stuff, I hate using that phrase. It's so funny. But if you look into it, you're going to find out that, that what you've been raised to learn is a bunch of nonsense. And, and it's not hard to... to do a little, little critical thinking. I mean, this entity, Yahweh, again, responsible for 2.8 million deaths, has committed many atrocities, accepted human sacrifice. And to my mind, there is nothing more satanic in the Christian sense than a church service where they're, they're worshiping the image of Jesus Christ being tortured and tell you to drink his blood and eat his flesh. That is fucked up that sounds satanic to me so and i don't mean that in the in the modern there was a kind of way. yeah there was a 12th and 13th century gnostic partially gnostic movement called catharism in france and this is actually what started the inquisition so there was a massive explosion in the 12th century of a religion called catharism which was kind of a christian gnostic hybrid and they declared that the catholic roman catholic church was the synagogue synagogue of satan and actually you read their writings, there's very little left. They actually said what you just said in the 12th century. Worshiping the cross was worshiping the murder weapon. If someone, if your dad dies because, you know, he got hung on a tree, you don't wear that rope around your neck, right? You don't, you don't wear the cross that killed somebody on your neck. So the Cathars who did believe in universal love for everybody, regardless of your religion, um, believe that 
the Christians went down a satanic route because I mean, it was, it was, they were worshiping money. They were powerful. They were killing people, burning, you know, the witches alive, inquisitions, crusades. They were massacring the people who were preaching love were killing you. And the people who were saying, turning the other cheek or burning you were, were shoving a stake down your throat. Like these people were hypocrites. They weren't following what they were teaching. And the Cathars were completely eradicated. They were erased virtually gone. And there was one quote by Pope Innocent who said 80% of the Catholic priests at one point in the 12th century were all leaning towards Catharism. And so they launched the Inquisition and the Crusades to wipe these guys out. And there was a hundred year period there where they killed over 50,000 innocent people. And they didn't just kill people of the Catholic religion. They killed people who were Catholic. Anyone who were associated with Catharism got killed. Women, children, men, anyone in nearby villages, everybody was massacred. And it's like, we're supposed to believe that a religion built on this type of philosophy has any right to preach love. I mean, for me, it's a logical, you know, impossibility. Again, man, I just could not agree with you more. It's, it's, it's crazy that people have been duped into this. And uh, I'm not sure who said this. I'm thinking maybe Graham Hancock, but I remember just reading this and thinking that's so dead on is that the greatest trick the devil, devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he was God, not that he didn't exist, that he was God. I mean, and that's clearly what's going on here. And as you point out in so many of your TikToks, he, this entity, Yahweh fits the description of the devil to a T even saying that the devil will present himself as God or as the angel of light. And, clearly and that's, he is that's not. a question I bring up all the time to Christians is if there's the devil pretending to be God and, and then there's God, God, but the devil says he's God and God also says he's God. How do you tell the difference? If the God you're worshiping is an evil mass murderer who broke every moral law, how do you know the difference between the devil in God. Once you accept that the good God can kill, the good God can break moral laws, now you have no way to tell the two apart. And you think that would be some sort of trick. If I'm an evil person, I want you to think that I'm good. So I'm going to run a bunch of propaganda. I'm going to write a book authored by myself telling you why I'm the good guy when in reality, I'm not the good guy. And that's what the Abrahamic religions are. It's the bad guy trying to, you know, use propaganda to get you to believe he's the good guy. And that archetype has, has given rise to all these religions in which people act the same way. You know, you have these people who are old, um, you know, Bible Belt type people who have this do as I say, not as I do type attitude. Well, where does that come from? It comes from God. Do as I say, not as I do, because I did everything I say not to do in my own fucking book, right? So you've got all these, these men in these, you know, marriages way back when, who thought it was totally okay to beat your wife, because it says it's okay in the fucking Bible, right? Or all these other uh, atrocious things, you know, and not to judge anybody of any particular faith. Like, I'm not saying you're a bad person if you're a Christian or anything like that, but if you, you get infected by this mind virus that tells you all these things are okay and good when they're clearly not, you get confused. And then maybe you start acting in a way that's terrible, you know, my friends and I on the internet get attacked by Christians all the time. It's insane. And we're not out there attacking anybody. We're just telling it how we see it. Yeah. I'm, I'm exactly the same way. You know, at some point in life, we, we, we kind of have to start fighting back. Like there's a really famous quote that says for evil to prevail, all it takes is for good people to sit by and do nothing, which is one of the motivations for me starting my TikTok account is I'm like, I figured out a bunch of things. I don't have, 
all the truth. I never will, will claim to have all the truth. You know, take what I say with a grain of salt. If you like some things, great. If you don't like other things, great. But a lot of people do agree with a lot of what I say, not everything. But the thing is, is the Abrahamic religions are not moral, right? They teach homophobia, sexism, two great examples in the modern day world. And these guys have the inability to acknowledge that their religion, because like you said, they're infected by this ideology that won't let them think rationally. They're thinking emotionally. They're thinking based on revelation. What God says is final. It can never be corrected. And it can be used for an for the, excuse for the rest for anything. of us. Yeah. Uh, you know, not only is it an ideology that's homophobic and racist, it's genocidal. I mean, look, look at the eradication of native peoples all over the world by the church. Uh, I mean, look at the molestation of little boys by the church. How could how could we as a whole, as a as a human race, not see this for what it is truly and finally? And I think that that's, you know, hopefully what we're coming to right now. And I appreciate you because you're a part of that. Just like you're saying, not standing by and letting it happen. Let's just pump this information out there because, again, I don't. I'm not out here trying to offend anybody. I don't think you are either. We're not trying to hurt your feelings. It's important to look at this objectively and think critically about it because it has shaped the world in such a, a tremendous yeah. way. And and one thing I would add is, you know, this is not a do you believe in God situation. This is you have a religion that is damaging the world. This has nothing to do with me attacking the belief in God. I There's pantheism, pandeism, right? Panentheism. There are many great you know, uh, philosophers out there, Hegel's evolving Geist, Aristotle's transcendent God, Spinoza's God that Einstein believed in, the pantheist type God. I mean, there are philosophical concepts that have nothing to do with religious bigotry. There is no reason why religion and mythology, sh I think, should should be completely separated. You know, and that's that's really the problem is people are stuck in this religious faith mindset. And it's, they don't understand how damaging is it, how, how it's damaging, you know, the way they think. And they're not able to rationally tell the difference. You know, they don't, they don't understand. Totally. And I counsel so many of my clients who come from a religious background into thinking, okay, stop thinking about God as an anthropomorphized being in the sky that wants to punish you, which is going to cripple your, your mental health, just having that belief and start thinking of God because I believe in God, but here's the God I believe in is the universe itself that the universe is alive and that that is something that we could call God if we choose to, right? But it, it isn't some being out there that's watching your every move and is waiting to fucking punish you for it. That is certainly not the God that I believe in. I believe in what you could call source or, you know, the Tao. Um, I really love hermetic philosophy and the hermetic concept of God. Um, I'm, I'm even into pagan religions that worship the sun as God. I, I see that as being really cool. But this character, this, this uh, Abrahamic character is so toxic that we can't just let it slide and just be like, okay, with it, it's fine. Because it does give people a sort of mind virus where they, they feel that because, because and this is like a, a conversation I had on Instagram not that long ago, um, I posted on, on a friend of mine on her post, I commented that the light worker community who is like the, the new age, uh, whatever they are, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, these people, um, how they, they're being tricked into a form of Christian fundamentalism by the, by this new age stuff. And, and, and it's, some it of the new age stuff bad. is interesting to me. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say it's all bad. Some of it is very interesting to me. Some of that I even resonate with, but then it gets injected with this totally Abrahamic 
Jesus-centric worldview. And again, it just, it crushes the whole thing. So now you've got people out there thinking that they're into mysticism because they're into crystals and, uh, and, and maybe tarot, right? But then they get led down this path of going right back. My friend David Palmer said this perfectly. He said, the lightworker community is secretly being controlled by the dark to recreate the same religion they went against. And it's exactly true. It's exactly what's happening. So can I can I comment on this? So yeah. we were talking before about the the downfalls of monotheism and the 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 New Age spiritual community of love and light actually falls into the same trap that Christianity falls into, and that is we are both beings of darkness and light. God and yeah. the devil are inside everyone. But when monotheism is about ignoring the devil, the devil's externalized, all the excuses are his. So what happens is, is the Jungian shadow, what you suppress ends up becoming a monster inside you. And actually you're blind to it. So this is like the Demiurge is the blind God in the sense, the Demiurge is the evil part of every human that they are blind to. Then this evil internal processes of bigotry, homophobia, racism, genocide comes out. And it, it, it causes destruction on the planet. Yet these people actually don't even know they're being darkness because they're mind controlled into thinking, oh, I'm just a person of love and light. I could never be dark. You know, in, in the New Testament revelation, it says the devil is an evil being that masquerades as an angel of light. And this is what the shadow does to you. You masquerade your inner darkness as light. All you got to do is recognize it and beat it. But these religions are not harmonizing their psyches. And so this is this is the problem of monotheism. It causes extreme polarization in who we are as people in this darkness. It can't be controlled. The only way to control it is to identify it, recognize it, and then contain it. I agree. And I also think that one of the traps that, that these types of, of monotheistic um, sorts, you know, religions will, will put people in is this like sort of inherent narcissism where they've decided I'm good. I'm right. And everyone else is wrong. And it's my job to now save them. That's pure narcissism. You've, you've, your ego has gone totally overboard and you don't even recognize it for what it is. So you'll see all these people in these, you know, new age love and light communities or, or you know, straight up Christian fundamentalists in the same space. Um, basically coming at you saying like, no, 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 you know, I'm, I'm just trying to help you. It's like, we don't, no one's asking for your help here. You know, we're <laughs> no, thank you. It's okay. Um, but they, you know, they want to force it on you. And it's, and they really believe that because they're right, because their God is the correct God, that now anything they do, any rudeness, any transgression upon you is a okay because they're just trying to help you. It's the, it's the, it's a mix between one, the savior complex, and then what I call the hero uh, homicide complex, which is a real psychological profile of a killer that starts a house fire on purpose. Then he's miraculously a block away and he gets to your house on fire and he saves you and he plays the hero. So the Christian God is like this evil God that lights the world on fire. Everyone is infected with original sin. It makes no sense. He's the one that made this imperfect malfunctioned world, yet we're the ones destined for hell. Then he swoops in while we're all burning and falling off a cliff and saves everybody. Now he wants to be the hero. Christianity is the one that infected you. They put the disease in you and it's a mental disease. It really doesn't even exist. It's the disease of the mind. And all mm -hmm. you have to realize is it's made up to escape it. But it's exactly what you said. They lit the house on fire. Now they want to save us. Oh, you need my religion to save you because my religion is condemning you. Well, isn't that interesting? You know, it doesn't exist outside of your religion. So we know it's made up.
Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, this really toxic system of control and, you know, to clarify here, I, I do think that people can benefit from a philosophy or a sense of spirituality that exerts some control over their lives. If that control is positive, if, if it's, you know, I practice magic for the purpose entirely of self-transformation to make myself a better version of me all the time. That's what all of my practices are about. They're about becoming the best version of me. And that will never include telling someone else what they should believe, how they should behave or anything like that. It's about me becoming the best version of me that I can be, because that's the best thing that I could do for the world around me. Christianity teaches you the opposite. It teaches you you're fine you know, just, just save everybody else because you're fine because you believe in God. Everyone else is evil. They'll go save them. Yeah. It's, it's that slave mentality versus the freedom mentality. You know, it's like a movie projector screen when a movie projects the a movie projector projects the movie onto the screen. What Christians do, or the people in these Abrahamic religions is they project their own inner divinity outside of themselves onto God. God is great. God is good but I'm wicked, cruel, and sinful. Well, yes, because you just took all the value out of your basket and you put it into his basket. If you realize that you're the one making this projection, all of these principles and ideas that are so amazing about God can actually be about you. You can be amazing. You can be a brilliant genius. Go watch a 10-year-old play the piano who's a genius, or I love to listen to the violin. These kids are walking genius and odds amongst humans in their area of craft and playing musical instruments. And it should be celebrated as something good. But these religions want us to think that we're all condemned and we're wicked and we have to be saved. We're not on a sinking ship. The house is not on fire. And in fact, it's the opposite. The Gnostics taught we should be pursuers of truth, pursuers of knowledge, unleash your divine spark and let your light shine on the world and build a beacon of light, build a tower to Babel, you know, create a school of Alexandria, you know, a citadel of reason, make this world sparkle. And it's like, I don't know why the Abrahamic religions, they, they can't see this, you know, it, it's, it's, it's mind, it's mind baffling. Because faith is so powerful. And, and so many people have been raised with it. Uh, they, they just blindly accept it. But you know, you can see clearly how this ideology would hinder the collective evolution of the species, because rather than, you know, I, I have a five-year-old and I see how he loves everybody. Like he just wants to be everybody's friend. He loves everybody. He has no hate in his heart. He has no fear, none of that. And that's the way we are. And that's the way we could be. But here comes this religion that says, no, you're good, but everybody else is bad. And we teach that to children and then they, what, they immediately develop fear of each other and they develop a concept of division and of I'm right and you're wrong. And, you know, how do you, if you put that into a kid when they're that young, they're going to always see the world that way and will always manifest reasons to, to divide people and not experience uh, yeah. that oneness. I, I like to say that on your, on your topic, I like to say that Christianity is one of the original conspiracy theories. It has a conspiracy theory that there's a red horned man running around the world who's injecting evil and tempting everybody. And so Christians who get brainwashed will grow up and they'll see the devil everywhere they look, be around every corner, under every table, in every music video, anything they don't understand, anything that, you know, is mysterious, that must be the devil. And so this is a terrible way to live. I mean, this just eats away at who you are as a person. Christians often claim God made the world then why do you want to die and go to heaven? You don't want to live in God's creation. God made the world, but all you see is evil. So much for look at the trees and God is real. You look at the trees and say the devil is there trying to tempt you. I don't think these guys can even see the beauty of what we're in. 
You know, it's, it's again, mind blowing. No, they don't. They, I remember um, going to a church service uh, with a friend kind of being dragged along uh, a few years ago because they wanted to try it out. And I was just trying to be supportive. Um, and one of the, you know, the, the preacher gets up there and immediately starts talking about how you're all dirty and you need to ask for God's forgiveness. And we just got up and left. And I was like, I fucking told you so. <laughs> this is what it's like. You know, yeah. and this is what people are get hooked on and they're they're into it. And it's weird. It's fucking weird. It's it's a religion of submissive people and they they need to be tortured. They need to be degraded. And it's 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 sad and it's it's bad. This is why religious trauma is a very serious thing. It's because people be autonomous, they need to be free, self-defining, self-creating. But these religions get you in this mindset. Like people will come on my TikTok lives. We talk about who people report it and get me banned, but this happens all the time. And people who are on my lives will vouch for this. Christians will come on and say, hyperhumanity, ban me. Just please just block me. And I'm just like, they just want to get blocked. Like, I don't know where this mentality comes from, but like, I'm just trying to spread information and help people. And these guys will just come on my page and they want me to persecute them. They're, they're just, they're forever in the victim mindset. Yeah. Forever in the victim mindset. And that's something that is, is a problem in, in the world, again, like a huge problem in the world that's been shaped by the Abrahamic religions. It's a victim mentality because you are, if you believe, if you subscribe to that belief system and that's your reality, then you are a victim of God and you don't even realize it. You're living in a victimized world and you're okay with it. That's the fucking problem. You're just, you've, you've given into this idea that you don't have any agency in the world and that ignore everything and just pretend God will fix it which isn't going to fucking happen. You take responsibility. We need to take responsibility as a species for what goes on here. Stop just saying, Oh, God will handle it. I mean, I I do believe that the universe has sort of ways that it corrects things, but one of those ways that it could correct things is just to get rid of us. If we don't take responsibility, let's talk about the, uh, the secret gospel of um, Judas. Cause I think that's really interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple, there's the, what you want to go on the, the gospel of Judas first. Sure. Well, there's so the ones you've talked about on your TikTok, you talked about the uh, the apocalypse of Adam, the gospel of Judas, and the secret gospel of John. So I'd love to yep. hear about all three in whatever order makes the most sense to you. Yeah. So um, the gospel of Judas is a very fascinating gospel. It's a gospel written in the, according to Judas or written to Judas. And Irenaeus, you know, the, the guy who invented heresiology for Christianity, wrote about the gospel of Judas in 180 CE. Now, the Gospel of Judas that we have today, scholars don't think it's the original Gospel of Judas, but we know that there was a Gospel of Judas in circulation right after Christ supposedly died. So this Gospel is either a copy of the original or, you know, very, very similar to it. So we know there were Christians in the late or mid first century that actually did believe this. And what the Gospel of Judas says is pretty alarming. It says that Jesus told Judas that basically all of the 12 disciples are worshiping the wrong God. Basically, they're worshiping the God of the New Testament. And Jesus came to teach them about a different God, a divine source, a God of light um, that is new. But, and he tells Judas, yeah, you know, the disciples, they can't, they don't understand what I'm saying. They're dropping the message. So I'm leaving you the secrets. I'm leaving you the keys to the kingdom because you're the only one that can hear what I say. And Jesus ends the gospel of Judas by saying, hey, Judas, the 12 disciples are going to lead the are going to lead the entire world down the wrong path. They're all going to worship the blind God fool instead of the true God. And, you know, a lot of people would say, wow, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That does seem to be exactly what happened. 
Um, so what about the gospel of Adam or the, it's the apocalypse of Adam? Yeah. So the apocalypse of Adam and the gospel of John, we'll merge those into two. Those are based on what's called Sethian Gnosticism, which was based on not Cain or Abel, but actually Seth. And it was, so it, it that's why it was called Sethian uh, Gnosticism. If you want to look it up, if you're listening, that's the branch of it. Um, the apocalypse of Adam basically reverses everything that you've ever known about the Bible. Everything is completely different. The serpent is in fact good. And actually a lot of Gnostics actually believe the serpent was either Lucifer or Christ um, coming to liberate and free Adam and Eve by gifting them consciousness, right? Adam and Eve can be seen as a metaphor for the rise of consciousness in the human mind or the human brain. And so in the gospel, I'm sorry, in the apocalypse of Adam, everything is reversed. Um, Noah is evil. So God picks Noah and kills the whole planet, right? Um, because Noah was evil and he tries to kill off the line of Seth. The line of Seth, right, is what's populating the earth that the God of the Bible doesn't like because the, the line of Seth has the divine spark within them. However, according to the apocalypse of Adam, the true God ends up saving some of the line of Seth in the great flood and then puts them back, you know, on the earth after the flood is over. The God of the Old Testament or the Demiurge tells Noah that he will inherit and rule over the earth as its king, as its God. And we read the definition of the devil is the God of earth. He is the ruler of earth. So, I mean, like the, the true God can't give Noah the right to rule over earth. Only Satan can, right? Because when Jesus went in the desert in the New Testament, Satan goes, look, you can have all these kingdoms if you bow and worship me. Well, in the apocalypse of Adam, that's exactly what happens. Noah and his sons go out and control the earth because they're the only ones technically alive. So Noah inherits the earth, just the same temptation that was given to Christ in the desert. Um, moving over to the gospel, the secret gospel of John, it, it talks a lot about the Garden of Eden and how the Garden of Eden was actually a prison. It was pure slavery. Um to paraphrase what it says, you know, off the top of my head, the gospel, see gospel, John said, you know, the leaves were poison, the gods were cruel, uh, the nectar of the fruit was, you know, poisonous, we were numb, you know, the masters were evil. And so the gospel of John really hits, I mean, it, it makes, to me, it makes a lot more sense, right? You have a God here who's a tyrant, who's a master, Adam and Eve are not allowed to leave the garden. They're like locked in the basement. When you have children, you want them to grow up. You want them to move out of the house and get a life. But the God of the Bible, he wants Adam and Eve to live in Everland forever, where you never grow up and you never actually enter reality. And it's, in fact, the serpent that gets in there, like Morpheus, who drops into the Matrix, you know, the God of dreams. And the serpent wakes Adam and Eve up by giving them consciousness. Consciousness is what gives Adam and Eve the eyes to really know who the God is they're worshiping. And where they are. And when they wake up, they say, shit, we're in a prison and the God is evil. And consciousness could be the divine spark. I mean, that's, the, to me, they're very similar ideas. Yeah. Um, so I want to comment on what you said in there about not knowing if it were Jesus or Lucifer, because it's interesting how many parallels there are between Jesus and Lucifer. Um, now, I haven't read the New Testament. So I, I, I'm not an expert on it at all, but generally I don't have any problem with the teachings of Jesus. I, I think for the most part, it sounds like a pretty good guy walking around telling people to be good to each other, right? 
really unlike the God of the Old Testament. They don't seem to have anything in common. But here's some things that Jesus does have in common with Lucifer. They are both the son of God. They are both his most perfect creation. They are both known as the morning star. They are both associated with the planet Venus. They both spread love and light. It's something I want to also point out to all you light workers out there is that Lucifer was the original light worker. Lucifer was the light bearer. Something I just think people need to to understand these parallels and be able to put the pieces together in a a way that isn't broken and confusing. And I do believe that just like with the Tower of Babel story, it was the purpose of this entity to break and confuse our connection to spirituality. Yeah. And, you know, you said it, Lucifer is the light bringer. Uh, He's the bearer of light. Um, And, you know, Lucifer represents, you know, light, knowledge, compassion, empathy, and the collective. The opposite of Lucifer is the devil, who's all about the individual, power, slavery, darkness. The devil's all about me, me, me. Lucifer's all about us, us, us. They're complete polar opposites. And the Bible teaches that Lucifer is the devil or fell and became the devil. I mean, nothing could be further from the truth. The devil and Lucifer are two completely different archetypes are two completely different angels or gods at that they're they're not they're in no way the same yeah no they don't seem to have anything in common um and i think that that story of lucifer falling and becoming satan is essentially the point where you know and i don't know who decided this i know that that constantine held the council of nicene and they changed everything about the bible but it seems that's the point in the story where they 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 play the the switcheroo where it's like, okay, now, now we've got them. We've got them confused about who's who. We're calling the devil God, and we're calling the good God the devil. And that really seems to be the point at the story in which they make that switch. And that's why it doesn't make sense. Yeah, that, that, that's an interesting concept. Because, you know, the Bible is very, very confusing. It's got Satan, the devil, and Lucifer. And it's almost like the devil is the great deceiver. He's the author of confusion, the author of lies. And it's almost like, why would an author in this book come up with three separate names? I mean, that seems so confusing. You know, it's, it's almost like, like you said, this was, it's a misdirection. Let's confuse everybody and let's, let's have this happen. No one's going to catch it, right? No one's going to see it. And I, I think you're right because, and even if Lucifer, to be honest, let's say even if Lucifer did fall, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that analogy because as a person like myself who wants to help change the world, you got to march through hell to see heaven. You got to you got to take your ship through the storms to see the calm. And so the best heroes are the people who've marched through hell, the people who've fallen and then risen. It's the people who have never fallen who are too privileged to know what it's like to overcome adversity. So in some cases we're all fallen. We all have something we got to overcome. We all have to rise. That's the fight of life to prove it, to want to live. It's the it's the need to survive. So in a way, I believe we're all fallen. We all have a piece of ourselves that has fallen and we all have a piece that is rising. And it's, you know, it's the harmony between the two. I agree. And it's, it's just like a flower, you know, a flower has to rise up out of the dirt in order to, to become a flower. And, and that's the story of humanity. We have to rise up out of the dirt. And I do see this religion that's controlled the world for the entire, you know, previous age, the age of Pisces. Let's not even get into that, but you know, the, the, this entity that has ruled the collective consciousness for this age is the darkness. It's the dirt that we're pushing out of, and we need to push out of it and, and get past it and move towards true enlightenment towards, you know, a real sense of spirituality, a sense of togetherness, get past all the division, get past all the, the racism and the fucking homophobia and all, and all the genocide and all that bullshit. Cause it's still going on today. It's yeah. So it, it comes back 
you know, me, I've done a lot of, I, I study a lot of psychology, a lot of, you know, Freud, Alfred Alder and Carl Jung. And for me, you know, I see, you talked about collective consciousness. I believe that there's a collective shadow and every human is the individual parts of ourself that we have suppressed. But as a collective human race, we have the collective shadow, which is everything that we've suppressed. As a human race, we've had slavery, we've had world wars, we've had racism, homophobia, fucked up shit has happened all over the planet. As a human race, we need to grow up and we need to apologize to each other. We need to address our shadow, which is not your shadow or his, it's we're all in this together. It's a part of all of us. We're all in this together. And as a human race, we need to tackle the collective shadow. And the biggest part of that shadow is the Abrahamic religion. It's the biggest piece of the shadow that's ruining our world. And we need to make amends with everyone that we've wronged collectively. And only then can humanity become enlightened and move on. I totally agree. Um, and I love Jung's concept of the, of the collective shadow and the collective unconscious and the collective consciousness. So I see these entities and, and things as archetypes of consciousness. You have them within you, but they are also a part of the collective. And when we're referring to them in the collective sense, then we're referring to what we call gods. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are, there's not just one, there are many archetypes that exists in the collective unconscious and you know this this um abrahamic one is, is you're you've described it perfectly i'm going to be thinking about that forever now uh, that is the shadow that is the archetype of the shadow of the collective unconscious you're exactly right because it's hateful and it's violent and it represents all of our basis lowest instincts and and i mean let's get into for example the seven sins the seven sins are so it's so anti-human these are all things that we do as you know, uh, yeah. some of these these rules and and uh, ideas, and I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments because I think that in general those are that's okay. Those are pretty good rules, but the fear that you're going to be punished in hell forever if you break one of them, that's fucked up. Or that if you sin, that you're a bad person. When these sins are all things that are so natural for the human being, we need to evolve into a religion that's pro-human rather than anti-human. Not a yeah, religion. I'm sorry. We don't need religion. We need a sense of connection to one another and to the universe and to understand that we're all connected to each other and then use that collective energy in a positive way. Yeah. You know, there were many Gnostic concepts, which I like. One of them was sex and sin for salvation, which was this idea that, you know, when I'm, when I say sin, I don't mean kill and steal. I mean, have sex, you know, drink alcohol, party your yeah. let your shadow self out so the gnostics had two approaches one was celibacy don't do anything stay 100% pure and the other one was no you need to unleash your shadow you need to party you need to have sex have fun go out there and do what needs to be done so then you can get in the library and make the world a better place otherwise these ideas are going to control you yeah you need to integrate your shadow self not yes. deny it not ignore it and this again brings me back to the love and light new age community and my, the my the thing that bothers me the most about them is this idea they have that ego is evil, that that your ego is this terrible thing that needs to be, you know, wrapped up and and you have to kill this part of yourself. That's crazy. That's nonsense. Your ego is a part of you that you need to master and can and be in control of, but use to your advantage. It's not no part of you is inherently evil. Again, that that will split your psyche and make you and give you serious mental health problems to believe that kind of crap. You, you have to integrate your shadow, not deny it, because you can't push, you can never push it down far enough that it's not going to come right back up and poison you. 
Yeah, yeah, you, you perfectly, you, honestly, you perfectly said that perfectly. Um, If you remove your ego, you remove you. You yeah. remove kind of what makes you conscious without the ego, you won't exist. And it's, it's, it's this, you know, idea that also infects sometimes the people who practice Buddhism, which is where you're supposed to remove your ego and just be absorbed back into the cosmic consciousness and disappear. I like the Hindu concept better, which is you have an individual soul and the collective soul. You retain yeah. your individuality and your uniqueness, but everybody is collected to the mathematical divine mind or the divine source. And you have both part of the collective and your individuality, which is where your sanity comes from and where your consciousness is developed and how so you to can remove the ego the is, it's to like cut off your leg or something yeah it's it's without it you would not be able to perceive anything else around you it's i really see so bring up buddhism and hinduism i really love the visualization of indra's net as a way of, of describing how we yeah. can all exist in in a way that's fractal but we're all connected but we're also individual as within, as uh, as within, so without, as above, so below. It's Indra's net. Everything is a reflection of everything else. And that understanding really makes sense to me, you know, instead of it being one or the other, which is the way a lot of people tend to approach this concept. Like, do you have free will or not? Are you an individual or not? Well, yes and no, it's kind of both. It's And it's important to understand how it can be kind of both. Otherwise you just get locked into one way of thinking, like either ego is all bad or I'm not connected to anyone or anything both of which split your psyche and again will cause tremendous mental illness and that's why i got into this in the first place with, you know with uh, astrology and tarot and numerology and witchcraft all these things that i do they're just my way of trying to help alleviate the mental health crisis epidemic that we're going through as a collective right now caused by this kind of nonsense yeah among other things that are happening in the world that you know are causing severe mental illness but this is a major factor you know, I, I feel like we're really in that epidemic right now. Like we're in a massive transformation time in the world where religious wars, spiritual wars, intellectual wars, philosophical wars, you know, materialism versus idealism. Um, we the world's never been more at war in more places than I've ever seen it. Muslims against Christians, you know, atheists against, you know, pagans. It's just every because on TikTok, you get to see everything because it's incredibly toxic. But I've never seen in my life or heard about so many different spiritual and intellectual wars happening. I think the human race is has already entered the verge of the second enlightenment. And when this happens, every idea is going to be challenged on the global, philosophical, and intellectual level. Meaning if you have a false belief, get ready to have your feelings hurt because we are going to crucify you in the field of academia. And I feel like we're entering that era where there are a lot of humans that are rising to the top and some that are not making the jump, you know, because they're unable to comprehend the difference between, again, philosophy and religion, or, you know, Hegel said that which is real is rational and that which is rational is real. A lot of people don't know even what is real. Or neither can they discern from a fact and a belief. Most people cannot tell the difference between a fact and a belief. Don't couldn't articulate to you the difference yeah. between a fact and a belief. What they believe, they believe to be facts rather than having the view that I could be wrong about anything at any moment and be really open to that point of view, which I think alleviates a tremendous amount of, of mental health issues is knowing that you're probably wrong about just about everything. <laughs> that actually makes me feel quite comforted is, is to know that I don't know fuck all yeah. <laughs> about the universe. I mean, like I can understand as much as I can cram into my head and I can really try to make sense of it in a way that I can, I can talk to people about it and we can have a conversation, but it's ridiculous to think you actually know. 
<laughs> what's going on in this universe in which we are nothing but like less than an atom, less than a speck in, in, yeah. in the grand picture. And I, I like, you know, going back to philosopher Hegel, I really like his evolving guys and how he talks about in a way God is like the, the consciousness evolving in us. Yeah. And it's this like the, we talked about Catharism earlier they did not believe you could commit a sin. They thought sin was invented because how could you sin against life? How could you do anything wrong against life? Everything, life needs to experience everything. And so they're really, you, at the grand scale of life, there really is no objective, eternal, you know, laws of sin. And so it's the idea that, you know, if, if you can erase the idea of hell, hell doesn't exist. For Gnostics, the closest thing to hell was earth. I mean, people get raped, molested, killed in wars. Is it, Honestly, is there really something worse than what we're going through right now i mean i don't think so i mean i mean the god of the bible would really be fucked up if he truly created something worse than what some people go through on earth so the gnostics know hell doesn't exist salvation was for everybody everybody became liberated here's a concept i really like about some of the gnostics even the devil gets liberated in the end everything draws back into the singularity in the source everything is returned to light in the end nobody's left out nobody is killed Every person is saved I, and it's saved through knowledge, through, you know, God consciousness, through liberation of thinking. So far superior way to, you know, look at life. And these guys were walking around in the first century. Imagine where we would be today if these guys were the global religion and the religion of evolution and knowledge versus the Abraham. Religion. We wouldn't even recognize our planet today if the world had gone down the Gnostic route. That is so true. Uh, I, and I, I can't even picture it. It would be, it would be completely different. It would be so different. And that's, that's where we need to go. That's really where we need to go as a species is evolving into a, a free flowing sense of connectedness, not a religion of here's the way it is objectively do as I say, or else that's never going to work. It's a terrible philosophy. It, it doesn't work. It hasn't worked, but a philosophy of just a general sense of let's grow together. Yeah. You know, wow. Yeah. Where would the world be? You know, and, I, who, yeah. who knows? And then touching on the point of death is like the ancient Egyptians had a very positive outlook on death. Death was something to be celebrated. It was a journey, a transformation, right? Energy can't be created nor destroyed. So the Egyptians looked at death and said, this is the next step. This is it. Reincarnation is what they believed in. You're going to come back, but you can also go on and do other things. So people, we, society needs to come up with better perspectives on death, not the atheist perspective where you die in your dirt and your atoms and you're off in space and you're no. done. You'll never exist again. Or the Christian perspective where you're, you're burning in hell or you're in heaven while your mother is burning in hell. I mean, both of those outlooks to me are not it, right? They're, they're both failed. They're both failing. They're both designed to control you in this lifetime and to keep, keep you in a state of fear. It's yeah, it's total nonsense. Um, it would be so much better if we had, you know, I personally believe in reincarnation. And, yeah, and I, I think that when Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is within you, you know, is here and now, what he was saying was that you're going to, when you go to either heaven or hell, it's going to be your next lifetime depending on what circumstances you've created for yourself. Like, are you creating, are you helping to create heaven on earth or hell on earth? You should really work to create heaven on earth because you're coming back here. <laughs> yeah. How do you want it to be for you next time around? You know, and if we had that concept, if we all knew we were coming back, we would always be trying to just make it a little bit better and better and better because we know we're doing that for ourselves. It's bad yeah. enough that people can't do that for their children. 
You know what I mean? If we can't manage to do that for our children, at least if we had the understanding that we're going to be coming back and doing this again, we could at least do it for our fucking selves. You, yeah, I, I agree with that. If you think you're coming back, you're not going to leave the house on fire because this is your home. If this place is done, well, you're not coming back. You, 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 you've cooked your own house. Um, yeah, the Gospel of Thomas, which is one of the Gnostic Gospels that was found, right? That was that the, the first couple lines for the Gospel of Thomas said, you know, these are the secret teachings of Christ. And there's no judgment day. There's no hell in the Gospel of Thomas. What there is, is everybody is a being of light. And if you let your light shine, you light a spark on the world that lights up the whole world. If you're a person of darkness, you light, you will spread darkness and shadows and the whole world will live in poverty. So the Gospel of Thomas is in a way saying that we are our own messiahs, right? And, it, and you know that Jesus is just a prototype. He's a prototype human, a prototype archetype. Anybody can be a Christ. Christ is a title. Anyone can have Christ consciousness. I don't like to say Christ consciousness. I like to say higher consciousness. But yeah, anyone can you know, hit the prototype of a higher consciousness, spread universal love, spread knowledge, right? Mathematics and science, reason and logic. Anyone can do this, but you can't do it if you're waiting for someone to come back and save you and do it for you. You got to build it yourself. Heaven is built, not given. If humanity wants heaven, we got to build it. Otherwise it's never going to come. Absolutely. And so I want to touch on what you just said about not liking to use the word Christ consciousness, because I don't like to use it either, but here's why. I don't think there's anything really wrong with that term if you understand it. But once again, using that word, using the word Christ interjects the Abrahamic faith into this new age spirituality. And everyone's like talking about Yeshua and Christ consciousness, and they get sucked into the Abrahamic faiths because of these words, instead of knowing what they're talking about. So yeah, higher consciousness, that's the right way to put it. Stop using this Abrahamic symbolism because you're just trapping people into that, that idea that, Oh, okay. Christ is good. Okay. Okay. So maybe people, someone's just having a spiritual awakening and they're, they're just going through it. Right. And they're, they're trying to figure out, okay, I believe in something now. What am I going to believe in? Oh, this all seems really cool. I like the way they take a scientific approach to things. And this all seems really good. And then it's insidious in that all this Abrahamic symbolism is built into the, the new age movement. And so people just get, go from one to the other, like it's a gateway drug from new age to right back to Christian fundamentalism. I would almost call it a trap because for me personally, I don't want Christ consciousness. Christ, I, I went through college, never, never heard Christ mentioned, mentioned once outside a religion class. Christ never, in my opinion, said anything great about philosophy, never uttered a scientific, mathematical, philosophical, psychological statement. He spoke in myth. I don't want myth consciousness. I want logos consciousness. You know, I want higher consciousness. I don't want the consciousness that made Abrahamism. I want the consciousness that eradicates Abrahamism. So for me, again, Christ consciousness, I'm actually, personally, I subscribe to a rare version of Gnosticism that actually subscribes to the idea that Christ was not good, that he was actually the son of the Demiurge and wanted to entrap and deceive the world even greater. So I don't talk about that often. I, I have a lot of respect for the Gnostic version of Christ, which is a completely night and day version of the Christian Jesus. But from, yeah, Christ consciousness, it's, it's, I, I can't do it. You know, it'd be like saying Christ humanity like that, that no, like that's, that would be falling deeper into the, you know, into the trap. I agree. And it's, it's also wrong to um, say that everyone should be like this one guy. That, that's crazy. So everyone should be the very best versions of themselves that they can be, that they should, uh, they should aim for higher consciousness. But everybody on this planet is at a different level of consciousness. 
we're not all at the same place, all aiming for the next step together. Maybe the collective consciousness is, is in a general sort of zone and, it, and it's going to ascend a little bit as a collective, but as individuals, we're wildly different levels of consciousness. I mean, personally, I think that there are people out there, I mean, maybe sadly, even the majority of people who don't think about thinking. They don't ever analyze themselves. That's a level of consciousness right there is being self-analytical. And a lot of people are not self-analytical. They are purely instinctual, you know? So there's two different levels of consciousness that you can see in everyday people right there. Studying philosophy tends to boost you up to that next level of being very self-analytical and developing uh, critical thinking skills. But a lot of people don't have that shit, like at all, you know? So I think if we're always all aiming at higher consciousness, that makes a lot of sense, but you should not put this face on it, the buddy Christ, you know, and say, everybody's got to be like this guy. Yeah. So I'll bring up one good one point. So on my my TikTok is called hyper humanity and I, the hyper humanity was an idea inspired by a philosopher called Mike Hockney. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of who that is. Okay. Well, hyper humanity is this idea and this goal based on Frederick Nietzsche's Ubermensch. And it's to usher in a new stage of human evolution, which is called hyperhumanity or humanity 2.0. And it's this idea that the age of enlightenment and the age of reason really first appeared in the human race in ancient Greece under the classical antiquity, right? Most embodied by the logos divine feminine figure, Hypatia, right? Um, Not figures, unfortunately, like Christ. And it was in fact Christianity that stopped the classical antiquity and plunged the world, you know, into uh, the dark ages. So hyperhumanity is this idea that the human race can go beyond fairy tales, feelings, emotions, and we can gain higher consciousness. We can come up with new ways of knowledge. We can transcend, you know, the empiricism of our physical senses, and we can turn towards hyper-rationalism and scientific idealism. Um, You know, it's more of the idea that also that we can advance intellectually, the more we manifest our own inner divinity, not externalized as a projection of a God that we worship, but internalizing this divinity in things like mathematics and science or playing the violin or the piano. So, you know, uh, I came up with the hyper humanity name as to kind of initiate and spark a movement amongst people who say, yes, you're right. The Abrahamic religions are holding us back. Let's push for something called hyper humanity, something that we can obtain, something that we can conceptualize something that we can aim for. Man, I think that's fantastic. Um, and that is something we could all aim for. Uh, I really love it. I, I think that that's perfect. I think that, you know, I, I'm not out here trying to tell anybody how to be spiritual. I'm a very spiritual person. I talk to my spirit guides. I, I believe in astrology, numerology, tarot, all that. I believe in my own personal connection to the universe and the way that I like to wrap that package is in a very pagan point of view. Right. But I'm not out here saying that any of it is objective truth. I'm saying if this works for you and this helps you to feel better and and aim for a higher consciousness, then that's what, then that's great. And I'm here to help you do it, but everybody's got to aim for it in their own individual way. Right. It's got to be what works for them, but we can all have, I, I think we should all be able to have, if we got rid of these religions, some clear common goals, like peace, like enough food for everybody you know, like, like coming together to help each other. These things would become so clear and obvious that they would be almost automatic if we didn't have all this religious indoctrination in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Something that I'm a huge advocate of, which we, our world really doesn't have, if you really think about it is child rights. 
our world needs an updated, modernized human rights campaign that encompasses the rights of children, right? There's a famous quote that says the graveyard is the richest place on earth. Why? Well, because there lies all the fail, I mean, all the hopes and dreams of those who never fulfilled their dreams, right? The books never were written, the songs that were never sung, the ideas that never came, you know, to be innovated. This is not true, though. The, the richest place on the planet is actually the classroom. It's the children who are alive right now. They have ideas inside them that are hidden like like, like, like gems and jewels waiting to be discovered. But there's a whole world inside these children and the education system is failing them. The Abrahamic religions are indoctrinating them to be scared of life and to worship an evil God. We need to protect children against these ideologies so they can become hyperhuman. So that the children can lead the world out of this terror that we're currently in. They're the ones who are going to do it, not us. So we need to set the children up, you know, the future generation so they can change the world. Yeah. But I mean, as a dad, I just could not agree more. That's what we need to do. And I've, I've often said that this is all it would take is one generation of kids. If we just raise one generation of kids to not fucking hate each other or be racist or have any of this, this hate built into them, just one generation and they would fix the world. You know, yeah. if we and raise I them with the right values and the right outlook and get rid of all the indoctrination tell them that you, you are perfect just the way you are. Just strive to be the best version of yourself you can be and use whatever symbolism works for you. You know, again, like um, Manly P. Hall and Carl Jung, they really understood the importance of symbolism. I think symbolism is one of the ways in which we interact with our world. And so it's important, but it's important to understand your symbolism and not just blindly accept it. You know, uh, I, I, I love symbolism. I love the symbolism of the tarot and of astrology. I love the runes. I love uh, I'm a huge fan. I'm not a Norse pagan myself, but I love Norse paganism and I love studying Norse pagan the same way that I like studying all different types of religion. I'm really more of an omniist than anything. Um, but in that way, I can say, this is great. I like this, but this is garbage. I'm going to take this and leave that. And, you know, maybe we could come together and I, I don't believe that there should ever be a, a, a single religion or sense of spirituality that works for anybody, everybody, it will never work that way because we're so different, but we certainly could come up with principles that could be encompassed by at least most of them and put us all sort of on the same path in the same direction, again, of just objective moral good and trying to be good people that aren't fucking hurting each other. Yep. It's not hard to figure out. Yeah. I mean, we got the Myers-Briggs personality indicator, there are 16 different types of people. They interpret the world different. They feel different. They sense different. They think different. They, in, their intuitions work differently. So, I mean, the idea that everyone in the world is the same is what's damaging the world. We're not the same. People are very, very different. Some people are so different on the Myers-Briggs personality type. They're almost aliens. They're almost, you could almost classify them as technically a different type of human because their mind works in such a different way, which just means they need to be in a different education system that caters to the quality of how they think and how they live. And it's going to make their life better. You know, some people are visual, some are not, um, you know, psychology and things like this are not being taught in our schools. And so we, we really don't, you know, understand what these, like you talked about symbolism. A lot of people don't know what symbolism is. You know, I studied a lot of Carl Jung and things we see in our dream you know, lucid dreaming symbols that appear, how the unconscious mind communicates you communicates with us through symbols. And so, yeah, symbols, both mathematical and symbolically in dreams and stuff are extremely important. We live in the meme world where we're always looking at symbols and signs and, you know, everything, everything 
is a symbol. Everything is a sign at, at the very basic level. Yeah. And your brain interprets symbolism faster than it interprets words. So symbols get to you and you process them before you even realize what you're looking at. And you can, with words, you have to think about it. You have to read something and think about it for a second. You listen, really listen to somebody and think about what they're saying. Symbolism goes directly into your subconscious mind. And that's why it's so powerful. And again, if, if you're, you know, when you create, that's one of the reasons why I think the Abrahamic faiths are so insidious is that they're, they're full of symbolism that keeps pushing the message. And, and our world is surrounded by it. And it's constantly pushing the same message. And this message doesn't make any sense, right? It's kind of like that, that old uh, definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and over again, hoping for different results. You know, we've been doing that for 2000 years now. Yeah. This shit doesn't work. It's got to go. It, it it's doesn't the waiting. Work. It's, it's the waiting for the Messiah that doesn't yeah. work. You know, it's the, there's the famous play waiting for God at the Messiah arrives on the day after he's not needed. And it's like this idea of the Messiah was invented by the Jews in the Babylonian captivity when Cyrus the Great freed them from slavery. And they, it was literally, Frederick Nietzsche talks about the Messiah as literally slave morality. Instead of you freeing yourself and fighting the masters, you turn the other cheek and the masters will blow you on the cheek and you won't fight back, you know, love your enemy. Well, that's very convenient for your enemy, you know, turn the other cheek. Well, that's convenient for the guy who's beating you up. Right. So he saw this New Testament Christian morality and waiting for the Messiah as really the most psychological genius religion you could come up with to keep people slaves forever. And people actually have been waiting for 2000 years. So at some point we got to recognize as a human race. Well, yeah, these Abrahamic religions are hogwash, but psychologically they're brilliant because they've kept people. I mean, we have modern day mathematics and science. We've seen Frederick Nietzsche, Hegel, Voltaire, Spinoza, and people are still buying into this stuff. We, at some point we got to recognize this is some deep shit. This is really mind controlling people. I mean, this is, I mean, this stuff has got people hooked for 2000 plus years and they haven't moved. They've, mm -hmm. they, they've not moved. Like they're there. If you were, Jesus came back, everybody's in the same spot. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Right. And, and today it, rather than, you know, if, if people could get away with it, they would still burn witches, but they can't burn witches. So what they do is attack people like you on TikTok and get your account banned. So you have to come back with a new name, right? Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about what happened with that? Yeah. So funny story. <clears throat> my first ever account on TikTok was life is not a spectator sport. That's actually my, that's actually my motto for life is that we are not participators. You must get out of the audience, get out of the, the stadium with the people drinking soda and eating popcorn, get your ass on the fucking field and play, you know, all it takes for evil to prevail is for people to be spectators. So yeah. my motto in life is, uh, life is not a spectator sport, be a player. And my first TikTok account, that's what it was called. They got banned within like three months. So I started a new one, uh, built it pretty quick to 50,000 followers. That account got banned. Then I won the appeal. Then it was blocked for like 90 days because people would literally sit on my account and mass report. I lost over a hundred videos um, to crazy accusations from Christians who didn't want my videos to be posted. So yeah, I got four different accounts, hyper humanity, hyper humanity X, hyper humanity reborn, and then hyper reason, an account where I talk more about politics and other stuff but it's been crazy the um these christians go around crying you know that they're being persecuted and that they're being victimized i've not seen that i've just no, been they're the I, ones victimizing others they're the ones persecuting every other religion literally again i'm not trying to be a dick this is just the truth it's happened to me it's happened to you uh 
I, you know, am deeply spiritual and in this space and I don't go tell anybody what they should believe or that they're wrong. You know, I mean, we're talking about it on this podcast because I think it's important to get this information out there. And again, if you're a Christian and you're listening to this, I'm not attacking you. I just want you to think critically about this God that you are so entangled with, you know, but they come on posts or accounts like yours and we'll just start reporting, reporting, reporting until you've lost your account. And for a lot of people, that's how they're advertising their business. That's how they're trying to spread, you know, positive information into the world. And again, they've just got this narcissistic attitude of like, well, well, we're right. So it's okay if we do this. Yeah. And, and what's funny is the most hateful videos I've gotten on TikTok, I've not even mentioned Christianity. I made a, one video, they got half a million views on Lucifer. That might've been, I got a lot of followers from that video, but I might've got the most hate from that video. Christians stitching that video going, Lucifer is the devil. What is this guy talking about? I mean, they're not even listening to my arguments about, you know, how Plato wrote about Lucifer and his book Timaeus and all this stuff like they're They're not even engaging. I mean, Plato, you know, that was way before Christianity even was invented. Lucifer is a Latin word, Old Testament written in Hebrew, New Testament written in Greek. How does a Latin word make it in a, a you know, a Greek Hebrew no. Bible? Yeah, from guys, my perspective, they, Lucifer yeah. is Venus, the planet Venus of love and beauty, the divine feminine that, you know, the, and that that was the understanding long before Christianity came around. So I got a question for you. This would be more of a, a modern day question. I'd be curious your, your take on this. Um, I've heard people recently put forth the idea that Lucifer should actually be represented as a female because the ancient people used to think the morning star and Venus were separate. And so they named Lucifer the male after the morning star and then the god, right, Venus, the goddess Aphrodite after the planet Venus, female. Yet Lucifer was actually epistemologically always based on the planet venus so should be represented proper as actually the divine feminine while the christian god is actually the divine masculine so lucifer might be being misrepresentative as a male angel when actually lucifer could be a goddess i think that's a really good uh take on it i i do think that just from an astrological point of view now to be clear the type of astrology that i practice is whole sign houses and classical planets so i don't take into account the outer planets just like I don't take into account the outer chakras, if we were discussing chakras, seven classical planets, seven classical chakras. Now, in that particular system, the pure expression of, mascul of the masculine is the sun, and the pure expression of the feminine is the moon. Venus has a masculine and a feminine side, and so do all the other planets. Feminine expression of Venus is Taurus, and the masculine expression is Libra. So while I do really resonate with that idea of Lucifer as a female. I do see how it could be either or as Lucifer is always associated with the planet Venus. Uh, and you could say the most beautiful angel that could be male or female. But, to me. but, 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 but Venus is based on a, a Roman goddess, not a Roman God, right? That's a, that's a really good point. There's a lot of points like that, like mythologically, yeah. astrologically, I could see how it could go male or female, but mythologically I would go totally female. Lucifer also uh, relating to Inanna in the Sumerian myths. Again, Inanna or Aphrodite, all these goddesses have a lot in common with Lucifer. So it's weird. I mean, I agree. I do agree. I still have in my mind the image of Lucifer as a male because that's what it, I've It's a revolutionary idea. Yeah. yeah, it's a revolutionary idea, but it holds a lot of validity, a, a tremendous yeah. amount of validity. Um, I, one thing I will say about it that I would like to avoid is more separation of okay men are bad and women are good i don't i don't want to encourage that line of thinking i want people to understand that male and female are two parts of one whole that need to come together and that there's divinity in both um i, I don't want to promote the idea that that masculinity is bad 
Uh, I think there's enough of that in the world right now. But mythologically speaking, yes, 100%. I think it does make more sense if Lucifer is a female character. Yeah, I was just curious on your input because I've heard it said that way. And if you, the ancient people misinterpreted it and that's why it ended up that way. And, you know, uh, it's the idea that there are two sons in heaven. There's Satan and Lucifer and, you know, Satan rebelled against Lucifer. Wait, two sons, where's the divine feminine? So it's the idea that Lucifer was always misinterpreted by the misogynistic Abrahamic religions as being a male. When in fact, Lucifer, the first, first child of God was actually a female was actually a goddess and then the second was a son which was satan and that brought in the the balance of the masculine and the feminine so one of the things that i wanted to to get at with that when it comes to uh when you talk about lucifer going against god well and we're talking about lucifer being the planet venus well the planet venus rotates counter rotationally to every other planet in our solar system and i've always thought that that was what they meant when they said went against god is that it was spinning in the opposite direction. And when they say two suns, I mean, Venus is almost looks like a star. It's so bright. And it's the only other star in the sky that, or planet in the sky that you can see that's, that's bright and beautiful like the sun. So I always thought that that's where that came from. That Venus, you know, Lucifer being the most beautiful of all the angels because it was the, the brightest object in the sky other than the sun. And it was green, so it was like gorgeous. And people were looking at that instead of the sun. So then you get the idea of the God being a jealous God and the the going against God and all of that. I, I think that's fascinating. But there, so, the thing yeah, is with so I don't the astrology you... and the mythology is that it there's so much to it all. We could pick it apart for days and days and days and days and days. But um, yeah, <laughs> anyways. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's interesting, I'll just really quickly, is that the Gnostic version of that story is different, of course. it There are the two sons, Lucifer and Satan. And then there was God, right? Abraxas. And it was actually Satan who got kicked out of heaven. Lucifer never got kicked out of heaven. Satan, the devil did, he came down, invented this story that Lucifer got kicked out instead and labeled Lucifer. So basically Satan comes down, sets himself up as the Abrahamic God and says, oh, my brother Lucifer got kicked out of heaven. He's the devil now. So if he comes to try to help you, don't do it because he's going to tempt you to do evil. And so he sets up this whole propaganda story to get people to hate light, to hate the divine feminine, right? He labels the divine feminine as actually a male character. He changes everything. He, he's the God of lies, the great deceiver. And so he casts a dark, ignorant shadow upon truth and archetypes and tries to actually confuse people on what actually is true. I, I totally agree. And thinking more on the, the male, female aspect of it, I was just thinking to myself, I wonder why then did did the church not decide to make lucifer female in the stories as way to further demonize the feminine as this is something that they've done repeatedly over and over again and i think the reason why and this is just me riffing here okay i'm not quoting any text i think maybe the reason why is that i realized there are no female angels i think that they just they were like man we could make lucifer female but then we'd have to admit that there are female angels and we don't like that so we'll say that lucifer was a male they got kicked out of heaven and then we'll tell the story of you know, demonizing the feminine through uh, Eve. But yeah, it totally could be that, that Lucifer was a female and that they're like, no, we can't have that. There can't be any female angels. Yeah, there was also Asherah, the queen of heaven, who was taken out of the Bible, and she is represented as the tree of knowledge. So the tree of knowledge actually had a more divine feminine, you know, feature Um, in the, I think it, it's either Psalms or Proverbs that says, whoever grabs hold of the, the tree of knowledge can live forever. 
not whoever grabs hold of Yahweh, whoever grabs hold of Asherah, the queen of heaven, the divine feminine, the tree of knowledge. So there are a lot of feminine principles in the Bible that have been completely ripped out of it and, and demonized. There's Lilith, who really only pops up in in the alphabet of Ben Sirach and so forth. But yeah, every chance these Abrahamic religions get, these ideas are being twisted and demonized. Yeah. Something that's interesting to me that I enjoy about your page is that you don't go strictly with what's canon in the Bible. And I think that that's, it's crazy to me, just another layer of crazy on top of the fucking crazy sandwich that is Abrahamic faith, that we have this now canonized King James version of the Bible that threw out like 50% of what was ever written. Um, I remember when I was 25, long ass time ago. Um, I went to a museum in Los Angeles and uh, that museum was uh, the Getty. And at the time, what they were displaying were pre-Christian Bibles from all over the world that had all these stories that, you know, obviously some made it into the Bible, some didn't, but there were so many different versions with crazy stories that had, that never made it into the Bible. And all of that is, is a legitimate part of the Abrahamic faiths, but so much of it got ripped out and cut out, rearranged, turned into something different, turned into something political, turned into a tool to control people. And it's, yet, and it worked so well that these same people are like, no, that's the right version of the Bible because the Bible says so. <laughs> and going back on what you said is symbols. And for me, it's, I don't care what's in the fucking, I don't care what's in the Bible. Um, the Bible is manipulated. And it, what matters is like, you know, Carl Jung's research in the unconscious mind. What matters is the, is the correct interpretation of the archetypes and what these symbols actually are. And yeah. fan fiction, I mean, what's the Bible? Original fiction? I mean, look, all this to me is the same. It's about truth. And just because something is not in the Bible or is, it doesn't matter. It's equal. It could, it, just because it's not in the Bible doesn't change if it's true or not, right? It, it really really doesn't matter. So I look at everything objectively and figure out which one is being, you know, most honest. Yeah, totally. All right, man. That's about all I've got time for today. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is an episode I've been really looking forward to doing. Uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. Um, and, and I really encourage people out there to follow you on TikTok. Your TikTok is uh, at hyperhumanity reborn. Uh, and there'll be links in the description to, to all of your socials and everything. Um, but you're doing a great job just speaking what you believe to be true and, and what I believe to be true. And I appreciate you for it. And I think that this information, you know, it might offend some people, but like people need to wake the fuck up. This shit is toxic. They do. They really do, man. Well, yeah. Um, I do have one announcement. I, I have a book coming out sometime in the early of next year called the Christian God is the devil. It'll be the first book um, that I'm authoring. It goes through a lot of these concepts in depth. So yeah, I appreciate you having me on. You guys can find me at hyperhumanity reborn or hyperhumanity on YouTube or TikTok. Yeah. Awesome, dude. And when your book comes out, I, you know, I'm going to get it right away and then we got to do this again and, and discuss. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right, man. Thank you so much. I'll catch you later. All right, dude. I appreciate it. Great meeting you. You too.